Hey guys, and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh podcast. So I'm really, really looking forward to you guys listening to this episode. So today's episode is 207, and I'm delighted to have Natalie Costa on the podcast. So Natalie is at Parathoughts Sync on Instagram, and Natalie is an award-winning coach, an author, a speaker, helping kids kind of manage big emotions. And she's also a BBC super tutor. And she's got over 10 years experience in teaching and education. Natalie is all too familiar with the struggles, pressures and demands that both teachers and children face. And it's one of those things that's kind of come up a little bit more during this weird and unprecedented time. So Parathoughts is a teaching, coaching and mindfulness-based service which aimed at empowering children to tap into the power of their minds. And through their sessions, they are taught how to become confident, resilient and robust, develop a can-do attitude that allows them to flourish both in and out of the classroom setting. And today's episode was really open and candid, and it comes from an amazing point of view. So we talk about like that the perfect parent doesn't exist, the pressures that are put on parents, the pressures that are put on kids. Like it's important to say, well, how to support your kids' mental health and how to support us during going back to school and how kids are kind of affecting going back to school and looking from that point of view. Having that emotion, having that contact with your kids, how to kind of calm down your child's angry feelings, how to build bigger connections and the questions to ask, dealing with the inner critic that a child has. And it's understanding that if you are someone who has potentially not had an amazing relationship from adolescence or whatever it may be it's about kind of like well giving your kid the best opportunity and dealing with kind of like building friendships as a kid and supporting the kids in general and this is an incredible episode there is a resource on natalie's um website parathoughts.co.uk and there's a PDF, so I highly recommend to go down and download that. She also has a course coming out in a couple of weeks. And then if you're looking to kind of look at that, check out Natalie's Instagram. But I hope you guys enjoy the episode with Natalie Costa. Natalie, how are we? I'm good. I'm good. Very good in you. I'm very good. Thank you. I know we were chatting for ages before and we we're like, we should really press record right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. So Natalie, for anyone who isn't aware, I know I gave you a brief little intro before we came on air. Uh, can you give us like a, a little bit of a synopsis, a little bit of a like a 60 second or 90 second little spin on, on, on what you do and your background? Yeah, sure. Thank you. Um, so I'm Natalie Costa. I'm the founder of Power Thoughts. And Power Thoughts is a coaching service that I created to help children um, tap into the power of their own thoughts, to help them recognize that you don't have to believe every thought you think or respond to everything you feel, and ultimately giving them the tools when it comes to looking after their emotional and mental well-being. Um, prior to Power Thoughts, I was a primary school teacher for 12 years, um, trained in South Africa, but a background in psychology. And then I thought, well, I need to get a job or I do like another year of studies. So I'll come over to the UK as a lot of South Africans did back then, which is talking about 12, yeah, eight, but 12, 12, 13 years ago. Um, and then I just stayed. I never went back home and, um, yeah, was a teacher, but I always felt, I was always trying to find something else to do. And I always remember, even when I was at uni, telling my mum, I want to teach kids. I'm into teaching, but I want to teach them 
you know, what things that I'm passionate about. I want to go into the emotional aspects of things and mental well-being side of things. And the plan actually was to come and teach for two years and then go back and do my master's in educational psychology. But like I said, that didn't happen. I ended up staying here. Um, and along my journey in terms of being a teacher, but then also recognizing that I wanted to do something else. I dabbled a bit in the fitness industry as well because I've got a passion for fitness. Um, and then I came across coaching. So like life coaching was kind of like the buzzword we talked about five, six years ago. And I still, I still kind of cringe at the name of being a life coach because I'm just like, well, that just sounds so like yeah. but um but it's I, I love the principles behind it and helping people move forward and to me it really kind of fit in well under like I guess the umbrella of personal development and psychology but it was it was helping people move forward um and how power thoughts actually came about was I initially was set up my own coaching business um helping women make career changes but obviously I'm still teaching full time because I was kind of doing a few bridge jobs and trying to make that jump as you do if you were moving from one career to the yeah. other. And um, many, many bridge jobs here, many, many. Um, but that's really when the seed dropped because I was working with a group of year sixes. So kids that in the final year of primary school going into secondary school and they were really stressed out. Uh, I remember one child saying to me, because he had to do his interviews to go to some secondary schools. And he's like, well, I'm boring. I've got nothing interesting to say. And another girl that said to me, miss, if I don't pass these SATs exams, then I'm not going to be successful in life. And I thought to myself, you know, that's such a huge statement for a 10, 11 year old to say. And why is it that we have to wait until we're in our adult years, you know, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, to begin to change the stories we're telling ourselves? Why can't we start teaching those kind of those principles to children now so that they can begin to really just become aware of the stories they're telling themselves? What are those stories that aren't serving them? How can we begin to reframe that? But also look at what can I do to look after myself when I'm feeling angry, disappointed, frustrated, when I make mistakes, when I fail, when I don't get chosen for a team, that that's not a reflection of my self-worth. But actually, there are certain things that I can do to work through that and to come back even stronger. And um, that really is when, you know, the idea of power thoughts was born. I'm like, well, I can bring this to kids. Why do we have to wait? And um, yeah, I suppose power thoughts in September now will be four years old. So um, yeah, it'll be four years old. So there's been a lot. I mean, I now do school workshops with children around concepts. Obviously, I have a lot of private clients, but, you know, clients worldwide, um, do workshops in the corporate sector for parents as well. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of different things, you know, how it's kind of slowly the dots are starting to join and make sense. <laughs> well, I think it's a credit to yourself because it's kind of like it's it's kind of three and a half, four years of kind of like hard work. It's kind of like yeah. that compound effect that kind of just builds up, builds up, builds up, and then something just hits and something just drops. So yeah. I think that's a credit to yourself on that side of things. You've mentioned there about kind of like, working with the kids now rather than kind of when they're like in adulthood because I think an awful lot of people forget the adolescent side of things and then they're trying to almost clean up what has happened in childhood and unfortunately so many different things that happen through trauma and grief all that kind of stuff definitely does come up but one of the things that I think a parents definitely struggle with particularly during this time um has been kind of like supporting their own mental health one but also looking after their own kids mental health what mm-hmm. are the kind of top tips that you have to kind of support your own the, the kids mental health that you may have at home yeah no good question I mean I think like it's 
And one thing I always say to parents is you are very much a learner alongside with your child. You're learning this as well. So this is new for them, but it's new for you as well, because making the general assumption our generation, generations before us was very, very different, more, you know, mental health wasn't something that we spoke, you know, we talk about, and it's almost like the suck up and get on with it mentality. And so, and I mean, I do work with parents where it's difficult for them to express their feelings. And what is it that I'm actually feeling? Because I've never been taught or trained to think in that way. Um, So what I would say is, first of all, just be open to you being a learner, as well you know so as you're exploring this you don't have to have all the answers because you're this is new to you too what I'd also say is you know um when it comes to especially like talking about those uncomfortable feelings and you know we can always get into this a bit more but but what can we start to do to widen that window of tolerance when it comes to sitting with those uncomfortable feelings because so often we might have the anger or those those things that we try to suppress or we try to make it's not a big deal or we try to push it down or, you know, again, typically like I see with anger, which can be that secondary emotion, it hides those more vulnerable feelings like embarrassment, disappointment, guilt, shame. And becoming, you know, almost kind of going back to basics and beginning to recognize or unpeel the layers of what is it that I'm really feeling right now? You know, is it, and, um, and just giving some space to sit with that feeling as uncomfortable as it can be, what we need, what we need to remember is our feelings come and our feelings go. It's almost like a wave. Um, I can't remember who it was a professor um, and I can always find the information, but there was some really fascinating research done that the emotion only stays in your body for 90 seconds. And then what we, what, because we still then feel it is because obviously the attention we're giving that feeling. And, um, I think what's also what I often do with children as well as we start to be create what we call feeling characters, seeing them almost as a visitor. So it like comes up, how you're doing, hangs out with you. Sometimes they stay longer than they need, you know, than we want them to. Yeah. And they go again. And, you know, when we can begin to create feeling characters, if say it's for prominent feelings like worry or anxiety or anger. So one of the little boys I worked with, he um, called his anger tornado. I love that. because It's a great name. Good way, you know. But it was really helpful for mum and him to have a conversation. So when he'd start to get angry, she'd say something like, oh, it looks like Tornado is here with us right now. What should we tell Tornado? Where do you feel it? And that just kind of helps create a little bit of distance, you know, where children can begin and us as adults can begin to see, well, I'm not, you know, I feel my feelings, but I'm not my feeling. Yeah. And my feeling comes, my feeling goes. And then obviously other tips there in terms of what can we do to, to regulate our emotions or co-regulation when it comes with kids? Because young kids, they're not always going to be able to regulate their feelings, but we can do it alongside with them, you know, whether that is deep breathing or, um, you know, mindfulness strategies or movement strategies. You know, I teach them called Move It to Lose It, where I move my body in a safe way, whether that's running or jumping. I mean, one of the kids I worked with was obsessed with burpees. I was like, okay, knock yourself out. If you get really bad, go and do 10 burpees. No, you know, thank you. Take it out. Um, but it's it's teaching them some of those tools that they can start to use and equally yourself as well. And I think above all else, to give yourself permission to feel and that all feelings are valid. Because often with anger, I get the stories from children, I shouldn't feel angry. It's bad to feel angry or it's bad to feel jealous. But it's just another feeling. And just allowing the space for those feelings to be there. It's kind of like 
like so now the brain is one thing and the consciousness is another thing and the consciousness is where all the feelings are and the brain will latch on that's essentially what happens in a very very short synopsis of what happens yeah um but you mentioned there about kind of giving the character the name i know and i think it's act therapy i think they talk about it is like name the actual uh give your kind of like your bully your inner bully a name yeah, yeah. Um, and then kind of like kill the bully with kindness by saying thank you for the thought. It's yeah. very similar to what you've done with the kids there, but you're getting it at an earlier age so that they don't necessarily have to do that work when they get a little bit older, yeah. which, which is amazing. Um, and I know one of the things that you kind of mentioned there about kind of like guilt for parents and stuff. I think a lot of what, I, what I've seen from my own clients and stuff like that is an element of guilt can come from not matching up to expectations of like perfection. Why are, why are other parents able to handle their kids a little bit better? Why are other kids or why are other parents able to homeschool? Why are other parents able to get their kids to eat their dinner, whatever it may be? How hard is that? And what tips have you got for parents to kind of move away from that kind of guilt, kind of like almost perfection side of things? Yeah. I mean, first of all, no, the perfect parent doesn't exist. Like, so take that off the table because you're never going to find that and you're never going to be that perfection doesn't exist. Like I always think like, what's my standard of perfect is going to be different to your standard of perfect. And it's going to be different to Joe Soap down the road. Do you know what I mean? We're all going to have different what we, because it's it's only the perception of our reality is what we perceive. So what's really important, I think, is taking that off the table and, um, Brene Brown, I remember um, she had a beautiful like way of saying it, like everybody is doing the best that they can in the moment that they're in with the tools that they have. And if you're feeling guilty because maybe you, you, you know, shouted at your child, you know, or something happened and you didn't respond in the way that you wanted to have a bit of compassion there that you, you know, and maybe you now you know better, now you know differently, have compassion for the person that you were there because, you know, you did the best that you can in the moment that you had with the tools that you had. But we can always, you know, add on to those tools. And like often I'll say to to parents as well, you know, that guilt is not, uh, this is, and this is much easier said than done, by the way. Yeah. This is absolutely like this. Is Always is. But um, how is that guilt serving you? How does it make you feel, right? Is it lighting you up or is it bringing you down? And most likely it's going to be negative and all of those aspects. And so if if you can give yourself permission to kind of release that guilt and think, okay, well, what can I do right now? What's one thing I can do? You know, how can, you know, how can I support my child? How can I support myself? Maybe it's about first learning what do I need to do to look after myself, in those moments that I know might feel like I'm pushing my buttons, you know, before I actually look at supporting my child, I because it, it goes back down to the put your own oxygen mask on first. What must I do to look after myself? Because so often I find, you know, parents, um, you know, give, 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 serve, 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 but then we, you know, leave themselves for the last kind of scraps. Yeah. And I think what's really important is to remember, no, 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 but you're important as well. So it's not that you're more important. It's that you're important as well. And if you're kind of, you think of like the, the, the energy reserve buckets, if your bucket's not filled, you're not going to show up for the best for the rest of your family. You're not going to be as resilient or as tolerant or as patient. Um, so it's important, I think, to put yourself, you know, make yourself a priority as well in whatever way that is. It doesn't have to be masses of hours spent on, you know, but it could just be actually 
I'm going to carve out some more time, even if it's, I'm just going to make sure I drink some more water during the day. I'm going to make sure that I feed myself properly, you know, because it's so easy. We can get caught up with work and caught up with kids. And then I'm like, okay, well, I just like kind of eat nuts and that's about it for the day. You know, you get to the end of the day and then you wonder why you're snapping because yeah. you haven't looked after yourself. Um, and then I think as well, just see, take a well as author for the pressure that, that I've got to get these things right. And almost just see like when we have those, and again, this is way easier said than done, but in those moments when things do feel difficult, are you able to begin to shift perspective and rather see that as just another opportunity perhaps to practice tools of you regulating your own emotional well-being, you know, your own emotions first, or practice the tools of, you know, often when I do, you know, when I work with families, it's like, supporting your children to use some of these tools, you know, and seeing that difficult moment is just another opportunity to practice the tool. Every moment is just an opportunity. I love that. Like just to practice rather than, okay, this is the performance and I've got to get it right. And if I don't get it right, that's okay. Right. Own it. If we've made a mistake with our kids and apologize, I mean, apologizing to our children is a great model of what we want them, you know, showing that sense of compassion. And it's a great way to connect with your child to explain, you know what, mommy, you know, mommy got really cross there and mommy shouted and mommy's sorry, because actually mommy, you know, mommy should have, I often talk about flipping your lid, you know, mommy could have done her power breathing. And I know that, you know, I got really angry there, but this is what I was really feeling. Mommy felt disappointed or mommy, and obviously in a child appropriate way, they don't have to know all the ins and outs. And then, you know, the, it, it, cause it models to them what what we would ideally like them to, to begin to develop that language. But it also shows them that we've got big feelings too. And sometimes I'm going to get it right. And sometimes I'm not going to get it right. That's okay. I can, what can I learn from this? What can I do differently the next time? Those are the important things, you know, and above all else, it's, it's, it is practicing to be compassionate with yourself because there is no perfect parent. And on the outside, you know, just something you said, you know, it appears like, oh, that child, you know, they manage that child, like manage that situation well or whatever it is. That's what we see on the outside. But we yeah. never see behind closed doors. You never, we never, ever, 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 ever see what's really going on behind somebody else's, you know, closed doors. Um, and I mean, that's sometimes I think where things like social media can be a bit dangerous because it looks all pretty on the outside, but it's not always that pretty on the inside. And I'd say there, you know, be mindful of what your triggers are as well. You know, if you know that you do get into that comparisonitisville, can you start to maybe not look at accounts that are going to make you feel like, you know, that you're not doing enough? Yeah. And I think, sorry, just to add on to that, one thing that I remember I encouraged one of my parents to do that I worked with is actually our brain is so good at focusing on the negative. What's not working? What's wrong? Where have I messed up? Where am I not good enough? So actually write down three things that you did do well that day doesn't have to be amazing things but where did you show up and begin to keep that evidence track record you know of how the the good things that I did if you really have a struggle in focusing because you're only focusing on the negatives I love that you're kind of talking about kind of having a level playing field and it's kind of like pouring from an empty cup you can't continue to pour water from an empty cup because no water is going to come out yeah um uh, bringing in the human element for your kid to be seeing at that early age when they're going to be like sponges they're going to pick up that way if your parents have brought you up that way and you're unhappy where you've been brought up 
well, now is the time for you to alter that. And that's a human element, that compassion thing. Like Kirsten Neff is incredible for that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and keeping a log and positive affirmations and stuff like that. Some people might find that positive affirmation thing a bit wishy-washy because they might find it like they think they're going to turn into the Buddha if they start doing it. Yeah. But it's kind of like, no, it's just giving yourself more credit than putting yourself yeah. into debt with your negativity. Yeah, and I'd say maybe not so, just just look at what 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 were the good things that you did? Yeah. What were the good things that you did? And at the end of the day, this might sound brutal. My question don't mean that in, in the way that's going to come out, but how is it working out for you right now? Because clearly it's not working out or it's a challenge or it's hard. This level of perfection, this level of high expectation, the guilt that you're putting on yourself. It's, 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 it's making things feel so much harder. So, nothing changes if nothing changes yeah and i love that line you know like you have to do something and i'm not saying all these tools will work some take that which resonates with you but clearly something's not working because we feel stuck we feel guilty we're in that disempowered space we're not in a good headspace we're beating you know we're we're you know putting these unrealistic expectations ourselves we're not filling up our own cup we're not looking after ourselves as well and what's the impact of that having on me or my family you know and and it all starts us with little tweaks but it also comes down to having compassion for yourself for being in that position because guaranteed those were the models that were shown to us from the best loving care I mean our parents yeah. did the best they could as well but it was a very it was very different and we can only you know, what I liked, it goes back to like that growth mindset aspect as well, but I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to do things differently. I'm willing to mess it up, but I'm going to make sure that I'm kind of doing the best that I can to kind of do things in a different way. But, you know, and the perfection thing is a hard thing to get out of because I, I definitely, I mean, I always used to say like, I'm a wannabe perfectionist because like, I know that you, you like, you strive, you strive, you strive, but you just yeah. never really hit it. And it's exhausting. It, it is, is exhausting. And I think if we can just, I mean, I've had that conversation where once I was like, well, Matt, this is, is this helping you? It's not. It's not, right? So something's going to change. Yeah, like I think, like I, I think a perfection thing definitely creeps up because you're, you're strive, strive, strive. And when you get to somewhere, you end up getting there and then you're like, you never actually appreciate where you've gotten to. Yeah. Like, I, I, like self, someone who's self-employed like yourself, do you ever give yourself realistically that much credit for oh, what you've built? Probably no, not. No, I mean, uh, to, be, uh, to be totally transparent and that the perfection thing lies so close is because just recently, and I think just, you know, we were chatting about lockdown and I have COVID and you're in isolation and like your mind just takes you to places. And there was a point that I just thought, oh my gosh, like I've been building, 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 but is this, is this it now? Like, is this, you know, is this, is this what I set out? It's like, and then I have to kind of, and you kind of think, okay, but I just want to get that next thing. I just want to do the next yeah. thing. And I actually had to have a word for myself and think, hold on, hold on. Four years ago, you could, could not want anything else but to leave your teaching job. And I actually read a beautiful quote um, yesterday, the day before, and I'm going to completely butcher it because I'm not saying it the right way, but the gist of it was, don't um, don't forget to be grateful um, for what you've prayed about. Basically, you're living in one of the prayers that you've wanted. Um, so don't like. It was so basically like don't don't ruin the magic of it by just now striving for that next thing. Like you wanted this moment, 
So enjoy yeah. this moment. Basically, there was something along, like, along the lines of, you know, you prayed for this moment, so enjoy it whilst you wait for the next moment to come. It was something along those lines. And I was just like, yeah. I was like, whoa, that's a reminder, you know. And I think that also applies to, like, having kids as well because, like, you obviously wanted to have kids. So this mm-hmm. is something to celebrate rather than trying to, like, un- not be happy with. And I think some people forget that thing of, well, this is a, this is like a miracle because mm. obviously the scientific point of view it takes a miracle for it to happen almost um and some people can't have it as well and that's something that i don't think a lot of pre- people appreciate that that is a blessing that's with you they may not they, it might be a screaming blessing <laughs> or one that runs into the wall but yeah. it's still a blessing and it's something to be celebrated and it's important for you to celebrate it with with as a family and have a family night or whatever it may be and bring that together and being able to have that communication because if you didn't have that communication as a kid mm. and it's something that has hurt you as something that you are bringing forward to your relationships yeah. do you really want that to be brought forward for your next and yeah. it's difficult i wouldn't like to be growing up right now i'm not gonna lie yeah yeah no i agree i, I agree with you and i think that just to say there as well and that's where i go back to that point of just know that you are learning as well yeah. as a parent. You are learning as well. And yes, the kids are going to push your buttons and they, you know, it, it's all of those things, of course. And you're allowed to feel what you're feeling too. But know that as you are supporting them, you're also learning to support yourself. Because, and even if you've got your, if you're a second time mum or dad, right, and this is the second kid that you've got, they were all different because what works for one doesn't always work for the other. So you're always a new learner. And I think that that's the thing, just because we become parents doesn't mean we, you know, magically have all the answers. And that's, you know, that's why I just had a call with a mum earlier. I was like, it's the hardest job on the face of this earth, hands down, and there is no qualification for it. You know, there is no school or process. Of course, you've got like different courses and stuff, but it, there's no manual that comes to your child saying on page 107, this is what you do because I can't do my zip and now I'm getting really angry about it. You know, it's like, it's 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 not. So I think a big thing that I always say is, is have that sense of self-compassion for yourself. I love that you are learning as well. I think that's a very big, big lesson. You, mm-hmm. you mentioned kind of, when kids kind of come to parents about saying that I had a hard day, can we talk? Mm. They're really asking you to potentially say, can you come play with me? Or can you, can you show me some attention or kind of get, show me some really, can you kind of expand on that kind of piece and kind of how to bring that in as a parent and how to work with that as a, as a parent? Yeah, no, sure. You know, it's um, what, I mean, play is is one of the best ways that you can really connect with your child. That's their language. Um, yeah, and you know, they don't say, I've had a hard day, can we talk about it? It's, can you play with me? And this is at all not a game to put more guilt on parenting. Oh, my goodness, my child's like, say, can you play with me? I'm like, not now, because if we just play all the time, nothing else is going to get done yeah. as well. So credit to that. But um, understanding and I mean I do have a resource that I can share with you that will kind of minimize the the heebie-jeebies around play because I think sometimes it's like well well, how do I play and where do I have time to play and my day is so busy um but play is the way that children make sense of the world it's how they make sense of their experiences at school at clubs what's been happening and we'll see that come out through the play that they do and you know if we're specifically younger down as well the role plays that they get into and things like that but equally it's also 
when um, when you're engaged in that play with them, other things might come up in conversation. And that's like kind of like the doorway to be able to begin to connect with them on their level. Now, um, there's a fantastic book, I think by a lady, I'm not sure if she's English or Irish, actually, but it's called um, 15 Minutes of Parenting. So by Joanna Fortune. And um, it's basically got 10 to 15 minute ideas to play and connect with your child. Um, So if, you know, I'd say like that's a great, way to begin to kind of step into your child's world and you know like other things as well like just following their lead making them put you in you know letting them be in charge for 10 or 15 minutes and playing their game I know video games I'm not I'm not a big lover of video games but they are here to stay and there are some good things and bad things about them just like with anything But why not, you know, get engaged and find out, get your kid to teach you how to play Minecraft, whatever it is, and get, you know, because kids love telling us what to do. They love telling us what to do. You know, get them to teach you how to do the game, how to play the game. I mean, that's another great opportunity to connect with them Um, but yeah I mean the books Joanna Fortune she's got some great stuff for kids from from um, I think about one age one two all the way up to teen so she covers all of that and why I think it's so useful is because yeah 10-15 minutes a day is all that you need you know it doesn't have to take up massive massive chunks of time Um, and that you know it, it helps us get onto their level helps us to begin to understand things in their world, what's going on for them. Um, and that's, you know, that's obviously where we can start to build and foster those deeper connections. And like, I know with the, um, we're kind of fostering connections and stuff like that. And I think a lot of people have definitely built connections with their kids during this time, especially mm-hmm. if it's kind of like homeschooling and yeah. anyone who was homeschooled during this weird time, you deserve a medal. and. Medal. <laughs> A lot More of stuff. I don't know what, but you just deserve you a lot. You deserve a hug as well. Like, seriously, I don't know how people have done it, but I think it, it's that's kind of the adapting approach of like, you have to adapt. Um, yeah. And I think now with kind of schools going back at the time of this podcast kind of going out, how can we support kids kind of going back to school? Because it's weird and it's like, especially if they're kind of like junior infants and your teacher has a mask on or yeah. has the, the visor on their face, or they're in a bubble and they're not allowed to run free, which mm. is what you want to do as a kid. Uh, well, I did anyway. Um, but how to support kids like going back to school? Because I think it's obviously the UK and Ireland are on different pages altogether. Different so. pages, different pages. Yeah, true. I mean, I've kind of lost my page we're on sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, what's happening? I have no um, idea. But I think, I mean, the, the good thing is, I think going back to school this year round in comparison to last year is children are more familiar about with regards to some of the changes like the masks and the bubbles like those have now just become more vocabulary that we've added to our to our vocab Um, but what I would say is if your child is apprehensive especially maybe if they're going to a new school even if they they are going back to school because I know here in the UK what happened a lot with my clients that I was working with towards the end of the term so many of them were already at home isolating because 
bubbles have been infected and like it just like it just seemed to kind of hit a lot of children I worked with that they now had to isolate they they've missed out a much longer chunk of time so what I would say is what can you do to help a child feel prepared about going to school so whether it is that we practice even simple things like practice the walk to school again so not just go on that day but maybe like you know, in the in the two weeks in the run up, start planting the seeds of we're going to school. Start getting into those routines, the same routines that you would be in if you are going to school. So it's not a shock to the system in terms of the bedtimes and waking up routines. Um, some families that I worked with last year, they 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 practice getting ready into my uniform and who can get ready first. And you know, we're kind of doing a dry run of this. Um, and that can work and that can also not work because I just don't want to do that. So again, it's it's out of trial or error. Yeah. Um, but what can you do to help them feel more prepared if they are worried about the masks and the visors and things like that? Having those conversations with them, you know, preparing them for it, even if you're not able to go to the school, maybe look at the school website. Do I mean, loads of schools during COVID did virtual walking tours of what it looks like. So like, oh, remember, there's a classroom. There's this. There's that. Um, and what I'd also say with back to school is help them elicit positive memories of school, especially try and get like recent positive memories of like, you know, the last maybe few months that they were back at school. So like, remember that time when you told me your friend did this and it was really funny? Well, tell me again what happened and get them to retell you the story so they can start to think back to those. Because again, our brain likes to focus on the negative. So here, yeah. look at all of the good stuff that's happened. I love doing visuals. So I'm always like, make a poster of the things that, you know, maybe make a poster of some of those positive memories of school. But equally then, what can I have to look forward to? What's going to be fun? You know, so building that sense of excitement about going back to school. You know, who are the friends that you're going to see? Um, maybe, as I was about to say, trips that you're going to go on. I don't know if school trips will take place. Or, you know, I don't know. Some some did, some did. Yeah, I don't know. But, you know, it might be what are some of the activities that you might be able to do? What can you do at school that you can't do at home? Um, I mean, to be fair, I've been working with one of the um, a little seven year old boy who I want to say he's Irish, but I actually think they're based in the UK and um, he can't wait to go back to school because I think the summer holidays have just been you know, from what I've been speaking to some parents, you know, we have been at home. It's not the same kind of summer holidays. We normally would be traveling, yeah. and sort of things. Um, but, but yeah, anything to help a child be more prepared. And then as well, the third tip. So yeah, what can you do to be prepared? Elicit positive memories, but then remind them of previous times they've had to go back to school or previous times they had to go somewhere that they were nervous about doing. And then they did it and it ended up, you know, what did they learn from that? How did it help you grow? How did it help you get stronger? Even if it wasn't pleasant, what did you discover about yourself? Because that helps them see, actually, hold on, I've done difficult things before. I've done those hard things before. I've, I've faced similar changes. So I can do it again. Um, and with the older kids, I often get them to write themselves a letter reminding themselves of the previous challenges they faced and how things were difficult, but how it's helped them grow. And that's a really useful thing to kind of go back and read in those moments when you do feel nervous or apprehensive or you know you've got those feelings of self-doubt the whole thing with like school and stuff is that you kind of like you're building connections especially if you're going on like the first day of school like you're well I definitely was I was I wasn't very good on the first day of school from what I've been told um many times uh but the important of building connections and stuff and I think now is and is a really really good time to build connection with your kid that you potentially wouldn't have. I know that, that there will be times that they kind of like 
you want to strangle them. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just say it. Um, <laughs> say it how it is. But like there's you put up an amazing post about kind of like five questions to ask your child to kind of build deeper connections because mm-hmm. if you've if someone has come up from a point of view of that they may not have a connection that they wanted with their parent or may not have parents or whatever maybe your grandparents may have raised them whatever maybe you may not have had that deeper connection yeah but it's important for us to kind of look at like what can we do to make their childhood the best that they can so that they can have the best opportunity so what kind of five questions would you kind of ask to build those deeper connections yeah no there's loads I mean um and I think like because often that kind of came off the back of but you can use this in any context I think that came off the back of like questions of asking you know how was your day because so often we say oh so how's your day at school today fine what did you do nothing you're like oh my god you said six hours there what have you done like you know and so asking like more specific questions about the day and this is not just something that they can answer it's something you and your family can answer as well um so things like you know um who showed kindness today what was something that made you smile who were you kind to today um what was tricky for you today but you didn't give up um you know or how were you brave today but anybody in the family can answer those questions too because dad at work well actually I was kind to Joe helping him with his presentation or you know it was really difficult trying to figure out having this difficult phone call with a potential client so it's a great way that you can step into the world of your child but then it's also bonding experience that they can see oh yeah mommy showed kindness today or this is what happened in their world um you know, and other questions as well that I love is like, if you were teacher for the day or club leader for the day, you know, what would you do differently? Or who, you know, who at school do you want to be friends with, but you haven't made friends with them yet? Um, you know, well, what was difficult for you today? But what I would say is often like, you know, if we're just going back to the back to school thing is maybe not ask that question right after back to school, because think about it as, you know, if, just if you're a work, I'm just picking an example of a working parent, you know, and you've got meetings and you've got client calls and you've got this, you're talking all the time. And I'm sure we've all been there where we've been really busy so that when we get home, all we want to do is be like, just switch off. And the same with our children when they just come back from school, right? As a former private school teacher, it's a noisy, busy day. So what I would say is maybe look to have those sort of conversations a little bit later on once they've decompressed, you know, once they've kind of, Oh, you know, we've just kind of like shaken off the rest of the day. And obviously it depends on the nature of your child too, you know. Um, but it's I tend to work a lot with children that are a little bit more sensitive in nature. So I know that those questions serve them better perhaps a little bit later on. Um, but yeah, those are a few few suggestions. And what I kind of kind of like if kids are kind of struggling with kind of their friendships and stuff like that, because obviously if they're in the bubble with people and especially if you're starting off school you may not know anyone else in your class particularly at that age you may be a little bit better off kind of like later on hopefully maybe not but kind of the three struggles that kind of children can face with kind of friendships especially around now as well yeah no friendships is a big thing I mean I did re- I recently did a workshop on navigating friendship wobbles because it's such a big and there's even more of a challenge definitely because of the bubbles and the constrictions that we have. Um, 
the kind of challenges that I find with children is making friends. So especially going somewhere new and not know, quite a few kids at the moment going to a new school, don't know anybody there. How do I make friends? And that's kind of, I always see like in the adult world of networking. I mean, there's just like, you go to a networking event, you don't know anyone and it's like, <laughs> don't miss them. You know, that's so awkward. Um, and for that, I'd say, are there some things that you could do to kind of have almost like a go-to conversation script that your child can remember? Um, because I always say to kids as well, people love talking about themselves because so often we think, okay, what they were going to think I'm weird. What if I say something wrong? What if I do something wrong? But let's shift that focus and let's become curious about the other person. Let's ask questions or let's like, you know, pick something maybe in common. Oh, I like your trainers. And obviously give a genuine compliment, you know, like let's not give something that's not genuine, but try maybe to find something in common or asking questions to the other person in terms of, you know, being curious because that's when you can start to break the ice and, you know, get that conversation flowing. Um, Another challenge that I find quite a lot of children struggle with is learning to be assertive um, in a way that is kind and respectful because so often that can spill over into disagreements of you made me do this, it's your fault. So actually learning how to communicate in a way that's assertive where I, I share my needs, but it's about me and how I feel it's not your fault making me do this, you know? So I feel sad because you didn't say, you know, you didn't let me have a turn. I'd like for us to share. Um, Or often, I mean, I take this from the work from Brene Brown as well, but the story I'm telling myself is that I'm not important because you didn't invite me to come and play with you. I mean, that's maybe more for the older children. Um, And also understanding, I mean, coupled with that, that I do with kids is about understanding, well, the reason why people behave the way that they do. It doesn't make the mean or nasty comments correct or, you know, that that it's fine to be mean. But understanding that actually somebody who is being mean, it's because they are not feeling good about themselves. And the way for them to feel good is to hurt other people. Hurt people, hurt people. Yeah. And it doesn't make it right. Absolutely doesn't make it right but actually it's got more to do with them. And what are some of the reasons why people might be doing that? And we might not know all the reasons, but then it comes down to what's within my control. What can I do? I can't control their actions, their words, their behaviors, but I can control the thoughts I think about myself. I know that what they're telling me, you know, one of the boys I'm working with, bless him, beautiful little boy, absolutely nothing wrong with him. But for the last year, one of the kids has been telling him he's got a big forehead and I'm like, well, where is it? Because I can't see it, but I, you know, but I can understand how you can start to believe that. But now we've got a choice here. Am I going to choose to take that on? Or am I going to choose to, you know, what am I going to choose to tell myself a different story about that? And then also, who do I choose to, pay, you know, to pay attention to? And who do I want to be friends with? And that is where it's become more difficult because of COVID and bubbles. Because what I'd normally say is, are you able to find other places for your child to go and make new friends and new connections? We can't maybe always do that at school because at school you're kind of stuck with the year group that you're in. But could you start to make friends in other situations after school clubs, holiday camps, weekend camps and things like that where you can begin to nurture other, other friendships? Um, yeah, so, I mean, those are some of the, the challenges you know, that, 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 that kids face. Um, I'd, I'd love to say there's a magic wand, like do this, yeah. and your kids magically going to make friends. Um, and also I think the other challenge that I find with kids is we need to have a best friend. 
And I think that there can be so much pressure on having a best friend. And that's where I see fallouts take place. And there's nothing wrong if you've got a best friend. But I more want to encourage, say, look, you can have a friend that makes you laugh. You can have that friend that you know keeps you really serious and you've got to do your work. You know that you can have a friend that helps you with a problem. And it's fine to have many different friends we don't necessarily need that one best friend, you know, that puts a lot of pressure on that one person as well in that one relationship. Do you worry for this generation with what's happening oh, for the next generation? I don't know if worry is the right word. It's, um, I think, like, you know what, in one way, and I actually put yesterday something up on my um, Instagram yesterday with the results, in one way, there are so, so, so many more opportunities available to young people today that I think was available when when I was a kid, you know? Um, and I think that's great. I think that's great. And I love, and maybe it's just because I run my own business, so I'm big into like entrepreneurship and things like that. I love the fact that you don't have to go to university to now kind of, and that was kind of the message drilled down to me with the best of intentions by parents, like go to school, get good grades, go to university, get good marks, go get a good job. And that would make you successful. And actually that works for some people, but not for everybody. And I love that there's so much more available for young people now. And I mean, I, I mean, even if they got some of my teen clients that I work with and I'm like, oh my gosh, like you are so much more mature than what I ever was at your age. Like you, like, I mean, one of the boys I worked with, I've known him for years. And I mean, he would kind of give me some tips to like run my business. And I'm like, that's actually pretty good, you know? Um, But I do think that there's a lot more pressure. I do think there's a lot more pressure. And it's, and, and, and I think, you know, what, you know, one of the things I think that we face with the pandemic and COVID, as difficult as it's been, and actually funny, this is reflected back from one of the clients that said this to me, that he learned he's so much stronger. And he was only 10. I was like, well, you got, you're like, you're going to be. You're, you're, you've, got, you've got deep stuff going on there. And I think, but what we have, you know, we can look at this, I think, oh, how's COVID impacted my child's well-being? But what I would like to say is, yes, and it's all it's impacted all of us in a very different way. Can't even begin to compare that. Like, yeah. all different situations, different ways, and it's been harder for some than others, 100%. But it's also taught children the valuable skills of disappointments, living with uncertainty, dealing with challenges, um, dealing with a not knowing so much more and those are valuable life skills that we need as adults that we need to thrive and cope in the world the only thing is i feel that there is a lot of pressure on children there is a lot of pressure but then again they don't know any difference that's their reality just like um you know, I'm sure, you know, us looking back, we can look back on our childhood and think it was so simple, but our grandparents could look back on our childhood and think, oh my goodness, well, there was just so much more on these young kids and it was so simple in my day. So every generation has its has its thing, you know, and I think we've got to be, and, and I think just, yeah, with all the opportunities that just comes like, okay, there is, you know, how do I maintain that balance? And I think with every generation, it's relative. And there was a balance that needed to be maintained. Do you know what I mean? Um, so it's relative, I think. Um, yeah, yeah. No, it's interesting, like, the way you've kind of said it. Like, I think there are massive things about kind of learning to adapt and kind of being able to kind of deal with adversity is one of those things. And I think some some generations or i i think i'm speaking for my generation anyway in that 
it could be seen as that life has to be a perfectly straight line. But if yeah. you're taught that the opposite earlier on in life, that could set you up for like a little bit more resilience than potentially mm-hmm. you, our generation, maybe have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the the bit that I would be scared of for, for the new generation would be the likes of TikTok, the likes of social media, because yeah. there is no cap on an age. There is no, like people, like kids are getting phones younger and younger and there's cyberbullying, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I think this, as you said, I noticed that when I went in to do a talk, the kids are a hell of a lot more mature than I was and probably still am. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, and one positive thing I'd say there, I mean, yes, there's a lot more, yeah, there's opportunities, there's more responsibility, social media is a thing in itself. But um, I think what's really great about this generation and what we've been started to do is, is, is the, the whole concept of opening up those conversations about mental health that yeah. was around. And sometimes, you know, somebody said to me once, do you think that there's more mental health issues now than before? And again, it, it's relative. I don't know, because yeah, I'm sure social media has caused, you know, I'm not just blaming social media, but like the world today impacts all of that. But I also think it was never spoken about before. I agree with you there. And so we just didn't hear about it because nobody spoke about it, but it was always there. It was always, always, always there. We just didn't lift the lid on it so now that we lift a lid it's like oh my gosh it's all popping up but actually it was always there but the good thing is we now have more tools to deal with that and I mean social media is a complete game in itself and there are people that do much better things than me when it comes to educating parents and kids about social media um but all I would say is like it is here to stay technology is here to stay and the, the challenge is just for, par- for us as parents, as adults, as caregivers, we've just got to be those two steps ahead. And I think that that's sometimes where... That's you know, the scary like, part for the adults. That, that's, that's the scary part. But I think if we can do the best that we can, equipping our children with the tools to know that they can come and talk to us whenever they can, you know, whenever they need to, giving them those tools to work through the difficult feelings, to know like what is within your control, what's not within your control, to have that sense of self-confidence, to have that sense of assertiveness. Um those are all valuable skills that we can take and to, you know, to support them through obviously, you know, the challenges that we've, you know, that, that we all face. You mentioned the word support there. And that's a perfect segue into the last question, which is how the six phrases to say to your child to calm angry feelings, because oh, yeah. kids, I think we all can get a little bit heated sometimes. Yeah. Um, that's <laughs> me being very polite. Um <laughs> But I think sometimes kids can get, they get an unfair rep sometimes. Mm. Um, They can, labels can be attached to them. Yeah. If they act in a certain way or if they're in a supermarket and they start to kind of um, act up a little bit or whatever it may be, um, and labels get put on them. But how, like, what are the six phrases to say to your child to calm angry feelings? Yeah, no, I mean, and that's it. And I think definitely recognize you're going to get your angry feelings too, right? That's just, it's, it's, it, we're human. We're human. And inside out of us, you know, we always say there's like a, you know, five-year-old that still wants to come out and play, you know? Yeah. Um, and what we have to remember is as well, just understanding, you know, children's brain development is very different to ours. So their emotional hub of the brain is far more advanced and developed than the logical, rational side of the brain. So when they're having those big feelings in a nutshell is because they're kind of caught up in that emotional hub of the brain and they don't yet have the words, the tools or the neural, the neural wiring yet 
of that prefrontal cortex, that that calm, you know, that part of the brain that's able to think rationally and to regulate because that's part still under construction. So just understanding that you're dealing with a little person here whose brain's not fully developed yet. So they they are going to feel those big feelings. And, um, the, you know, some of the things that what 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 we want most I'm saying we because as adults as well in those moments when we feel big feelings we want to feel heard and understood connection so what we want to be doing is for trying to connect to the feeling rather than initially saying oh don't feel like that or try problem solve or try to you know kind of fix the problem which is all comes from a place of like well you know you don't want to see them hurt and in distress but actually, if we can just take some time to connect to the feeling and say something like, I can see that you're feeling angry right now, or I understand that you're disappointed. I'm right here until you need me. Or, um, you know, uh, tell me more about it. Let some know somebody's hearing me. Somebody's hearing what I have. You know, somebody's listening to me. So tell me more about I can see you're feeling angry right now. Tell me a little bit more about it. Um, I love you. I'm right here until you need me. And I love you. And even what sometimes helps although this kind of leads into the problem solving but I'm saying I can see you're feeling sad right now remember that time we tried x y and z in that time you know a previous time that you felt sad what all of this does is it lets them know somebody gets me somebody understands it's okay to feel what I'm feeling it doesn't make the the retaliation or punching my brother in the face correct right boundaries are still important but I understand that you're really angry because your brother ate all of your Nutella and this is a true story because this happened with a client of mine this week his brother ate all of his Nutella and he was extremely angry and so mom said I get it that you're really angry that he did that I totally understand why you feel that way um and the only way I can kind of explain how this works is think about you as an adult. If you've ever felt anger or upset about something and somebody says to you, calm down, does anything but calm you down, right? It makes you feel like, oh, no, it builds that up. But if somebody had to say to you, you know what, I understand why you're feeling that way right now. I understand why you're really, you know, you know, angry or annoyed or disappointed, it doesn't take the feeling away, but it's like, just kind of brings it down a little bit because we're like, yeah, yeah, okay, I'm not by myself. Somebody, somebody's hearing me. It validates that feeling. And that's what we can, you know, that's where we want to begin to get to with our children as well. And it doesn't, you know, it, it's different for every family. I mean, one family I worked with, you know, she was like, my daughter just like screams at me and she's like, she gets even more irate if I go up to her. Um, but when they then had a discussion when her daughter was calm saying, look, what's going to help you? What can mommy do to help you? And her daughter she said, I don't want you to touch me, but I also don't want you to leave the room. I just want you to be there. So mom said the next time she had this big feeling and her daughter's getting really upset. She's like, I can see you're angry or disappointed, whatever the feeling was. And I'm just going to wait right here until you need me. And she's like, if this feeling still carried on, but it started to kind of dissipate a little bit quicker and they were able to come down a bit quicker. And in that way, they were then able to kind of build, you know, go, go further in a conversation and, and talk about it in a rational way once they've de-escalated that emotion. Because what you want to do is connect to them in that emotional hub of the brain. You want to connect to the emotion and then we can redirect and problem solve. I love that way of bringing in more connection because I think that is, that, that's a bit that I think a lot of people miss at all ages, whatever it is. Yeah. And I mean, use that even like with your, your partner, with family members, with colleagues, because so, you know, and, and we, so often we want to jump into the fix it mode and problem yeah. solving mode, which is, you know, it, it comes from a good place. 
but actually like, do you know what? Just kind of sit with that empathy and just like connect to that feeling and just notice, just, just, I'd say play a game with it and just notice it with different, you know, don't let them know what you're doing, but just see if that actually does something different to your relationships and connections that you've got. I love that. The two words there. I understand. I think that's, I think that's rather than saying calm down because it's like no it's like setting fire to it to like a hay or something it's just not gonna work (laughs) um natalie thank you so much for for the amazing uh content that you just given there and the amazing content content that you put out where can people find out about your your work where can people work with you and where can people find out about your social media yeah sure so um my website is powerthoughts.co.uk so www.powerthoughts.co.uk um i've also got a downloadable free pdf so five steps to navigate the big feelings so you can get that on my site um social media i'm mostly on instagram so that's at power thoughts n for natalie c for costa so nc power thoughts nc all one word um LinkedIn, I'm starting to dip my toe back into LinkedIn, which I'm finally enjoying quite a lot. Didn't think I would, but I am. Uh, so that's just power, uh, Natalie Costa. Yeah, Power Thoughts by Natalie Costa. So um, yeah, all of those places there you can find me. Um, I do have a course coming up in the autumn term all around calm is my superpower and helping children and parents specifically build those deeper connections when it comes to navigating big feelings. Um, so do sign up to the mailing list if you're interested in that. what date is that starting Natalie? um so the build-up to it so all of that will start i'll start going more into that in september so from the beginning of september and then the course will start in end of october so the challenge and things like that that we're going to do and it's going to be a lot of fun and yeah it's going to be good fun for the kids and the parents amazing so guys watch out for that watch out for natalie's announcement on that and definitely sign up for the the pdf and, and give her a follow and if you have any questions pop natalie uh, a message and if you're interested in working with natalie i highly recommend it natalie thank you so much for giving us so much of your time uh, and coming on thanks so much for having me thank you